is always trying to protect you from perceived harm and all those negative thoughts that you're having is part of your subconscious mind's way of protecting you. This is Alopecia Life, episode 13, and today's guest is Jackie Latran. She is a multi-award winning author, international speaker, nurse practitioner, and founder of Healing Minds. Jackie dedicates her life's work to help her clients and students transform their inner critic into their best friend and cheerleader. And she's here to share all that valuable insight with us today. This is Alopecia Life with your host, Deanne Graham. You'll hear interviews with specialists in their field and parents who are helping their child move through life while living with alopecia areata, along with conversations with alopecia rock stars who are making a difference. Alopecia Life is here to provide you with support, accurate information, inspiring stories, and life hacks to help you navigate the world of hair loss. Whether you've just been diagnosed or have had it for ages, Alopecia Life has been created to share all the information you may want or need to do alopecia your way. Welcome, Jackie. We're so happy to have you today on Alopecia Life. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm super excited about this conversation. I've been anticipating it for a couple of weeks now. <laughs> yeah, and you are a mindset mentor. Can you tell us a little bit about how that all plays out in your practice? Sure. So a mindset mentor to me basically is somebody who helps people to understand what their mindset is where it came from, and how to create a mindset that is empowering. So basically, you know, my belief is that how you see yourself and how you see the world will result in the different experiences that you have. And some of us have incredibly disempowering mindsets. We see the world as negative. We see ourselves as less than. And if we have those belief systems, our experiences tends to be much more negative and unpleasant. And those are the clients that I see and I help them to identify where those mindset come from and then work with them on changing that mindset to a mindset of possibility, of curiosity, and of self-love. And when you have those things, your world and your experiences change big time. And so how did this all start for you? It started way back when. <laughs> so I started as a nurse practitioner. And as a nurse practitioner, I did a lot of mental health care and reproductive care for teenagers. And I kept on seeing the same, you know, very disturbing pattern in my teens who are dealing with mental emotional issues. And it is that they would see me for medication and medication management and adjustment year in, year out, I might see the same patient a year later, three years later, five years later, 10 years later, and they're still on medication. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, I started hearing my patients say things like, well, if I wasn't depressed, if I didn't have anxiety, you know, I could do anything I want to do, but because I have depression, because I have anxiety or ADHD or whatever their diagnosis might be, they use that as their automatic block. That is the reason for them not living that fulfilled life that they deserve. And that was incredibly disturbing to me because I went into nursing to help people, to help my patient be the best of themselves medically and emotionally. And I'm hearing all of these, you know, basically reasons why they can't be that person. And so I started researching different alternative therapy and discover things like hypnosis and EFT, which is Emotional Freedom Technique, and NLP, which stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming, and other alternative methods. 
And when I first discovered it, I did not believe in it. <laughs> I thought it was, you know, that's for crazy people. Uh, excuse my language. <laughs> but I really did think that because I came from such a strong science background. And I was always asking for the studies to prove these things. And unfortunately, with a lot of these alternative therapy, there are really no scientific evidence. There are just anecdotal evidence from people saying, well, I had this, we did this, and now I have an amazing mindset and I'm living out the life I want to live. You know, so it's fantastic to see my clients transform that way. But in the beginning, it was hard for me to believe. But I kept researching and I kept on going to classes because I knew there had to be a better way to treat my patients and prescribing another pill or a second pill is not how I wanted to go about it. And the more I researched, the more I went to different educational seminars and whatnot, the more I fell in love with the method. And then I gave up my nursing practice and started my holistic practice full time about 10 years ago. Did you feel like you weren't able to do that with traditional medicine to bring these modalities in? No, I was not able to do that um, for a couple of reasons. First of all, in order for you to treat in the medical arena, there has to be some sort of medical diagnosis. And then for you to do it legally, you have to follow the treatment modality, which mm-hmm. these alternative therapies were not part of. Right. So, you know, when I see a, a patient, yes, I can kind of sort of sneak in some of those stuff, but to get true results, I can't just sneak it in every couple minutes. It has to be a session centered around using an alternative modality to mm-hmm. then create those everlasting changes. And if I did it that way, I would not be doing it in a way that is consistent with the medical community. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there might be billing issues and then there might be malpractice issues because mm-hmm. I'm not following the typical protocol of, okay, this person is depressed. They need to go see a mental health specialist and be on medications. Mm-hmm. I love that you're finding a lot of satisfaction with what you're doing now and, and bringing in these different modalities. Could we look at alopecia as, as a bit of an example of having somebody come in and saying, well, for example, my, my daughter was really confident. She's 14 years old. She was really into art or sports or XYZ, whatever it may be. And her confidence has just plummeted, right? And so what, what would that appointment look like kind of to begin with? Am I seeing the parent? Am I seeing the team? Am I seeing them together? Would that be normal for you to see both the parent and team together? Only in a consultation. So we're talking now about my mindset mentoring practice. Right. So I would consultations. I usually I would do a consultation with the parents alone. And that's mm-hmm. a phone consultation to make sure that they are on board with my methods and understand what I would do and what I can and cannot do to help their teens. And of course, speaking about confidentiality so that they understand that whatever I share with the teen or whatever the teen shares with me stay confidential unless it's at risk for their lives or, you know, other things more serious like that. Mm-hmm. And if they are on board with that, then I have a consultation with the teenager before I take them on as a client. Because no matter how much a parent wants the teen to, to get help, unless the teen is ready and open, there is absolutely nothing anyone can do for them. And so sometimes I'll talk to the, the teens and the teens are like, I don't see a problem with this. You know, I'm fine with this. And they may truly be fine with it, or they might not be fine with it, but they're not ready to address it. 
And so in that case, you know, I might just give them some hints and techniques depending on who they are and where they're at. And just let them know that whenever they are curious or interested in doing something further, we can have just another conversation. They know that is the door is not closed and that if they are curious, the next thing is not a full session. It's just another conversation. Right. With that next conversation, if they're ready, then we do the actual work together. During the consultation, sometimes I would talk to the parents first, and then I would have a joint consultation because the teen isn't sure yet, mm-hmm. the teen and the parent. And then usually midpoint somewhere, I would ask the parents to leave the conversation so I can have a private conversation with the teen. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Let's say that teen's ready. They're, they're, <laughs> they're like, I need help. I, mm-hmm. That doesn't sound normal. They might not say I need help. They might say I'm sick of being this way. Yeah, I'm absolutely. I'm sick of feeling this way. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So let's say we have a teen that is ready and, and we're talking and she said, I'm sick of being this way. Well, the first thing I would need to know is what is this way? Just because, you know, she have alopecia doesn't mean there is a certain way she's going to feel. Mm-hmm. And so understanding the languaging of that teen is really important. Get them to use their own word to describe their feelings. And then what I normally do is using the different modalities that I know how to use, I would trace back to the cause of the whole thing. Because oftentimes when the teen come in, or even an adult, oftentimes when a person present with a problem, what they will tell me are symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to school because the kids are making fun of me. That's mm-hmm. not the problem. That's a symptom. Mm-hmm. So in order for us to really, truly help this teen, we have to go deeper into what truly caused them to feel the way that they are feeling. Because once we understand the root cause of a problem, we can then take care of things from that perspective. Because if we're taking care of the symptoms, I could be seeing that same client year in, year out, because we might deal with one symptom and 10 more pops up. Mm -hmm. We have to go to the root and take care of it from the root. Do you feel like accessing kids and teens when they're younger and they haven't had established years of, of input is, is really much easier, I guess, than to have an adult who's had constant input all their life that's contributing to the feelings that they're having? So neither one of them really matters. What really matters is readiness. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, sometimes the teen might have new input and it's hurtful input and they're dealing with depression or a sudden loss of confidence, but they don't have enough motivation to overcome this problem yet. Mm -hmm. So while they might not have a lot of input, they also don't have that internal drive to deal with this completely. Whereas someone who's been beaten down for quite a while might just have had enough that they said, I'm willing and ready to do anything and everything. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for me, the level of readiness means so much more than how long they've been programmed to feel or think a certain way. Yeah. So you're getting to the bottom of those issues, right? I'm angry. Let's say they're they're saying, I'm so angry. I'm getting teased at school. I don't want to go to school. I hate this diagnosis. It's made me ugly. It's made Mm -hmm. me... I'm just pissed off, (laughs) just (laughs) straight up pissed off. So again, everything you mentioned right now is still a symptom, right? right? Anger is a symptom. That's not the problem. Mm -hmm. So what I've discovered in my practice and in in the educations I have in the different holistic areas is that no matter why a person come in to see me, 
everything is traced back to four major belief systems. So if we can identify which four they are operating under, then it's easier to then correct it from that perspective. And oftentimes, it's not just one of the four, it's multiple of the four hanging out together. But there tend to be one or two that is stronger than the rest. And so the four major belief systems that cause all problems to me are these. The first one is I'm not enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not you know, smart enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not something enough. And that's often followed by I'm not worthy. If I'm not enough of something, I don't deserve something else. The third belief is I'm not loved or I'm not lovable. And the fourth belief is I'm not safe. And that could be I'm not safe physically. Someone will harm me physically. Or I'm not safe emotionally. Someone will take my, my story, my secret, and then hurt me with that. So in the case of this angry teenager, I can ask her or him, I just went to her because <laughs> I deal with more teen girls and boys. I can ask that client, you know, further question to see what the anger is really about. And they themselves, through the way that I interview them, will usually come up with one of those four or multiple of those four. I'm so angry because nobody thinks I'm good enough right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm so angry because of this problem. No one likes me. I'm not lovable. Or because of this problem, I'm teased all the time. I can't go to school. It's not safe for me to go to school. Mm-hmm. And then one of the four are again, multiple of the four will come out and then we go deeper into whichever one seems to be the biggest one at hand. And we go deeper to discover where the cause of that comes from. And oftentimes what I discovered too is Belief systems comes from significant emotional events. So let's say this teen that you mentioned came into my practice in a point where she's angry and she's having difficulty adjusting and dealing. But let's say prior to her losing her hair, she was a completely confident teenager, outgoing, doing everything right. Life is just amazing. And then she got the diagnosis and her hair loss and all of that happened. That is a significant emotional event. Mm-hmm. And whenever you experience a significant emotional event, your subconscious mind, and we haven't talked about the conscious and subconscious mind, mm-hmm. but the subconscious part of your mind, the, the, the part that is more knee-jerk reaction, creates a belief system surrounding that. And so the subconscious mind's primary objective is to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. So keeping you safe, you know, doing everything it can to keep you alive, it regulates your heart rate and your breathing and all of that without you thinking about it. And emotional safety is also a job of the subconscious mind. And with emotional safety, your subconscious mind will do anything and everything it can to prevent you from experiencing that pain that you had during that significant emotional event. So when, you know, um, this teen lose her hair for the very first time and she's feeling very unattractive and maybe somebody noticed that and made a comment, well, that's a huge, significant emotional event. In that moment, the subconscious mind works super fast and it takes notes that this is a painful event and we need to protect this person from re-experiencing this painful event. So it's going to make belief system like people are mean, avoid people, right? right? Or you're unattractive. So it's better to hide it with wigs or hats or something like that. But the way the subconscious mind tends to work is that it will create fear within yourself and it will create avoidance. Because if you're afraid of something, chances are you're not going to put yourself out there. 
And if you didn't put yourself out there, you didn't risk that same rejection, that same pain again. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, once you experience a significant emotional event, your subconscious mind will create a belief system and a coping strategy that include causing you to be fearful to avoid that situation. All right. And that makes perfect sense, really. It's also physical. Like you said, that physical reaction that's happening to you causes you to respond in that way. And so let's say I'm feeling unsafe and my subconscious is taking that message and saying, okay, I, I can't go to school because of this, because I feel unsafe emotionally and physically to avoid that reaction again. What is the next step from there? Well, <laughs> that's a really loaded question because yeah, I know because you know when I'm working with a client I'm not giving them that next step because that next step is really still about taking care of the symptom and not the problem right mm-hmm. right so with me working with a client like that my next step with that client is help them to understand what caused those feelings to develop in the first place mm-hmm and work with them on letting those feelings go through different modalities that I use. And oftentimes there's a lot of guilt and shame and blame from themselves, even though maybe it's somebody else picking on them, right? Mm -hmm, Right. Even though someone is picking on them or maybe even bullying them, the self-talk often is what's wrong with me. You know, what's, what's wrong with me? Why are they picking on me? It's not about those people are bullying me because they have an issue. It's what's wrong with me. So really helping the client to understand how their mindset and how their self-talk contributes to their experiences and helping the clients to forgive themselves for having those thoughts or having those reactions. And then also helping them to forgive the other people because Mm -hmm. it's really important as long as you hold anger or fear or any negative feelings towards somebody else, you're basically still telling yourself that you're a victim. Right. So in order to truly move forward, there has to be forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others, and then changing the dialogue, changing that internal talk. Because if you get to a point where you forgive yourself and you see yourself as worthy, you see yourself as, you know, I might have this problem, but I'm just as good as anybody else. And you see yourself as lovable. The internal dialogue will change and it's not so scary to go to school. So I can't sit here and say, well, that's easy. All you got to do is say this to yourself and Mm -hmm. magically it's going to work. I wish it was that way. (laughs) Don't we all? Uh, Yeah, right? (laughs) Um, But it definitely doesn't. So it's really about working on discovering the root cause of the problem, changing that internal dialogue surrounding that event, creating new dialogue that now they can use to move forward, and then taking physical action. I love it. And I love that you also mentioned just giving grace to ourselves and giving grace to other people and not not hanging on to that and like seeing ourselves as a victim. I think that that's a really great. You have three books that are published. I do, yes. I do. And you talk a lot about the subconscious conscious and, and the four systems that contribute to our mindset in, I would, but my damn mind won't let me. Is that, <laughs> and I think that's your best-selling book. It is. I, I have three books out there. They are our all multi-award winning books. And the one that sells the best is the second book, which is I Would, But My Damn I Won't Let Me. And I think the reason why that sells the most is that it's truly as a primer for your mind. Because if you truly understand how your mind works, then you can start reprogramming it on your own. 
But of course, if you're seeing an expert on that, that you can hyperspeed the whole process. Right. In the book, you give a lot of areas where you can do some self-reflection and take notes on, on what you're reading. And that's really great for, especially for teens. But I know you work with a lot of adults. And do you feel like this, this process is just as effective with adults and teens as, and even young, very young kids? I think it works for anyone who can, first of all, comprehend the material right? Mm -hmm. So very young kids, they might not be able to read a book and understand it. But if they have an expert who understand the process and understand how to break it down to a level that a younger kid can understand, it works absolutely fantastic. I prefer to work with kids 10 years old and older. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not equipped with working with younger children. But if someone is equipped with working with young children, they can definitely use the same method again, broken down in a way that a younger child can understand would be incredibly helpful. But yes, for me, anybody from 10 and above can benefit greatly from these different processes because we all, I don't care who you are, I don't care how successful you are, how beautiful you are, we all are challenged with those same exact four belief systems from time to time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if we understand when it is just that knee-jerk reaction, that that subconscious mind trying to protect us from perceived harm, then we're able to decide what we want to do instead. Mm-hmm. I love that. And do you have a favorite of your modalities? I know you mentioned EFT earlier. And is there one that works more effectively than, than others? Or is there a favorite that you have? My favorite is EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique. And the reason is my favorite is that it works universally on anyone with any problem. And the really cool thing is that you don't even have to believe in it for it to work. Mm-hmm. Um, other modalities might work better in particular situations. And so when I see a client, I will pick the modality that is best for that situation with that particular client mm-hmm. because there's no one size fit all. Right. And what does EFT involve? And a lot of people will be like, oh, I don't want to lay on a couch, you know, and just like, and I know you do some, some hypnotherapy as well. And I've had hypnotherapy and that's not how it works at all. So people, whenever you say hypnosis, they go, oh my gosh, I got to lay on a couch. I got to, you know, close my eyes and then somebody's going to have control over me. What do either of those look like? I'm very interested in how that works. And, and like you said, it's universal. And can you explain it just a little bit more for us and what that would look like if someone were in your office having that? Sure. So I see all of my clients now online. So mm-hmm. you don't have to come into my office and cool. lay down on, your, on my sofa. You can sit wherever <laughs> you're comfortable. <laughs> your beanbag chair is as good as your couch, is as good as your bed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. And the belief is that whenever you experience a significant emotional event, the energy within yourself, because we are all energetic beings, the energy within ourselves just grow bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And if the event is significant enough, the emotion will get stuck. Once it gets stuck, it stays stuck within you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So imagine, you know, let's say you got into a fight with your mom, okay? Mm -hmm. And your mom says something incredibly mean to you. She might not mean to be hurtful, but to you, your mom was being very hurtful and you're now upset. You're angry with her. Well, let's say that event to you was significant enough that that energy keep growing and growing and now it's stuck within you. Well, once it's stuck, it's going to stay with you, like I said, for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And so 
you have a life. You don't think about that event 24-7, but it's just hanging out with you, waiting for an opportunity to come back out. So let's say later that night you have dinner with your mom, and your mom kind of realized maybe she overstepped her boundaries. And so she's tiptoeing around you. She's trying to be on her best behavior, but she said something. And it might not even be anything related to what she said before, but maybe a word that she used. Maybe it's the tone of her voice. It maybe it's the look on her face, but something about what she says or does remind you of what happens back then. And so when that happens, that stuck energy ball get Mm re-triggered and all of a sudden, all of that energy is flowing and it's going crazy and it's growing bigger and you're reacting from that space. And your mom might be saying, wait, 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 what happened? What did I say? What did I do? You're overreacting. And you yourself might even recognize that you're overreacting, but you don't know what to do because all of that anger is back. All of that hurt is back. And you're just responding from that perspective, Hmm. right? You've had that situation, right? Oh yeah. And I have a teenage boy in the house. So yeah, I totally get this. (laughs) We all have that. Whenever we have a significant emotional event that doesn't match what's happening, recognize that you're not crazy. First of all, I get a lot of questions about, am I crazy to respond this way? No, absolutely normal. But that doesn't mean you have to continue to be that way. And the reason I say it's normal is that because you're just triggered. And once you're triggered, just imagine all of that energy that are stuck are being released again. So Mm -hmm. imagine, you know, like all of a sudden someone turn on the radio, the loudest it can go. Are you going to be able to think clearly? Or do you, you know, react to that significant loud noises Mm -hmm. the same way and so when you have a reaction that doesn't match what's happening know that you're being triggered by every single event in your past that sort of kind of look like this one and so that's why you're overly angry that's why you're overly hurt that's why you're overly sensitive is because there are so many triggers all being turned on at the same time right With emotional freedom technique, what I'm able to do with a client is I help them to, again, identify the triggers, identify the the events that cause these energy to get stuck. And the belief of EFT is that, again, we are all energetic beings. And once our energy is blocked, we re-experience the pain. So to unblock it, what we do is we use the tips of our fingers and we tap along the meridian. And Mm -hmm. meridians, one way to look at it is like it's a channel for the energies to flow back and forth. And when our energy is flowing back and forth smoothly, life is wonderful. When it bunches up and gets stuck, then we have concerns and and outward problems. So what I would do is first, again, help the client to understand the root cause of their problems and use their language. Mm -hmm. It is so important for me to understand how this truly affects them. Because some person, you know, one client might say, and it hurts me so much because, you know, I believe the world's against me. Another Mm -hmm. person might say, it makes me so angry that people just can't see, you know, beyond my hair. Mm -hmm. In order for me to be as effective as helping the client to resolve this, we need to understand the client's language, the client's true feelings and thoughts about their issues. And then once I have that, then I help the clients to understand the process of the EFT and then I do that on myself because, again, I'm doing this virtually and mm-hmm. the client is doing it on themselves. And usually we take two fingers, the middle and the pointer fingers, and we start tapping lightly over the heart first. And as we're tapping over the heart, we say some things and then we move over to the other side of the chest. 
and then we move onto the collarbones and on top of the head. There's this whole pattern that I can send you a picture of if you're interested. So what we're doing is the EFT basically comes in um, three parts. The first part is venting. You know, we've been told enough to let it go or ignore that or, you know, it's no big deal. So we've learned to suppress a lot of our emotions. We've learned that maybe the way that we think and feel is not okay. And it is okay. And with EFT, you're allowed to have all of that. So the first part of EFT is basically a venting session. I have this problem, you know, I have alopecia and I hate it so much because it makes me so ugly and people are so mean to me and I'm so afraid to go to school and whatever it is that you feel, just say it, just basically let Mm -hmm. everything that you think and feel out. And then the second part is that forgiveness part I mentioned, and I forgive myself for having those thoughts. I forgive myself for carrying those self-judgment for as long as I have. I forgive myself for allowing other people to control me and how I feel about myself. And then also, if you're ready, you can also forgive the other people. If you're not ready yet, that's okay. Start with you. You got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then the third part is the changing the narrative, is starting to focus on what you want to have experience instead of your past negative experience. I'm ready to let all of this negativity go so that I can experience peace. I'm ready to let this go and know that it is safe for me to go to school. I'm ready to know that other people can look at me and see the truth of who I am and see beyond my hair loss and see how beautiful I am on the inside. Whatever it is that you are looking to develop, that is the third phase of EFT. And usually once I go through a round or two of EFT, that original emotion that they experience is significantly shrunk. So like, for example, I guess I should have done this in the beginning, but let's say I'm about to do an EFT session with you and we're talking about anger, like the mm-hmm. same example. I would ask you, how big is that anger in a scale of zero to 10 with 10 being the biggest it could be? How big is it? I hear nine, 10 a lot. And then I also ask them like, imagine that that anger is an object. How much does it weigh? And a lot of people will say hundreds of pounds or even tons. And after a couple of rounds of EFT, I would ask them again, how heavy is that anger? Two, <laughs> one, <laughs> or maybe 10 or a hundred, depending on where they are and their readiness to let it go. Right. And let's say you went from a hundred pounds to five pounds. I would ask you further what that five pound represent. Get those words, do another round of EFT, and we continue on doing the EFT because every time we do a round of EFT, we help that energy ball shrink a little bit more and shrink a little bit more until we're at a place where that energy ball has dissipated. And once it dissipates, you don't react the same way you used to. Mm. We do hold a lot in, right? And those triggers happen all the time. And especially with alopecia, knowing that we can control these things that are happening to us and how we're responding is incredible. I love that you just kind of map that out for all of us. And because it is something, I I think it's something that really naturally happens when you're given this diagnosis. It's immediate, whether, whether you're getting that from some from some outside sources or you have that internal dialogue that's going on, it's just there. And if we can quickly kind of go, Oh, I can, I can fix this. This is something extremely effective that I can do to help myself move through life. Mm -hmm. And I just want to throw out there, you know, I do have my hair. I'm very blessed with that. So I'm not minimizing anything Mm. about the experience of anyone with alopecia or any of that. The thing is, 
that's your diagnosis. So you're focused on that. And that's all, you know, that's the majority of what you can see. Mm-hmm. But recognize other people do have other issues and they are very focused on that too. Oh, yeah. I'm all struggling with those same four belief systems. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not loved. I'm not safe. It mm-hmm. comes out differently, but we all, as human, are struggling with that. So recognize you are not alone in your pain. Mm-hmm. Even though other people might not outwardly look like they're having an issue internally, chances are they're dealing with their own struggles. Mm-hmm. Giving people that allowance in our life going, they, they have stuff going on too. Let me throw something out there too. You know, the EFT is an incredible tool. But one of the other things that I teach all of my clients, because I believe this is the most important tool that they can have, and it is incredibly easy to use, and that is how to stay calm right? Because Mm -hmm. you will get triggered. Someone will say something, someone will look at you a certain way, or you look at yourself and you go into that negative narrative. And then now, you know, you're the one that's talking badly about yourself. So whenever you recognize that you are in a state of negativity, that you're in negative self-talk, that you're in pain, any of that, recognize instead of having those emotions, you can choose to have a calm state of mind. And when you have this calm state of mind, you can see things differently. You're not just reacting to the situation. You actually have that calm space to evaluate what's really happening and decide on what you want to do. And so would it be helpful for me to share how to get to that calm state? Definitely. So the first thing that you need to know is, again, your subconscious mind is always trying to protect you from perceived harm. And all those negative thoughts that you're having is part of your subconscious mind's way of protecting you. Unfortunately, with those negative thoughts and whatnot, you tend to go deeper into the problem. So the way to combat that is to stay calm. And you are the boss of your mind. You get to tell your mind what experiences you want to have. So rather than allowing your subconscious mind to continue to play fearful thoughts, take control of it by going to calm. And this is how you do it. It's super simple. First thing you do is recognize your emotion. So you're angry in this case. Say to yourself out loud or in your mind, doesn't matter. Even though I'm angry, I choose to be calm. Say, I choose to be calm three times just to kind of set your mind to that space and say it in the most calming way that you can. And then after you say it three times, you go into, I am calm, I am calm, I am calm. And you keep repeating, I am calm until you get into that calm state. And you're going to surprise yourself how quickly you're going to be able to get there because your conscious mind can only focus on one emotion at a time. It can only focus on either that anger that you had or the calm that you're now telling your mind that you want to experience. Mm -hmm. You cannot be angry and calm at the same time. Right. Whatever you are focusing on, that thing will get bigger. If you're focusing on how angry you are, you get more and more angry. If instead of focusing on anger, you start focusing on calmness, your mind will shift there because your mind is programmed to deliver to you the experience that you're asking for. Yes, I love that. And I think that's going to be really effective. I have a lot of very protective parents who are listeners and they immediately go to a place of anger. Why is that person licking, pointing, etc., at my child and making my child feel uncomfortable and, and unsafe? And I think as parents, we do that. We immediately go to anger. And if we can have this practice of going, okay, I can be calm. I am calm. I am calm. I am calm. I feel calm. And then just kind of taking it in for a moment, then reassessing the situation, right? In that place of being calm. 
And as you're saying, I am calm, I am calm. Another way to get yourself to that calm space quicker is imagine in your mind doing something that calms you down. So for me, massages is wonderful. Mm-hmm. So if I'm working to let go of my anger and move into that calm space, as I'm saying, I am calm, I am calm. I imagine myself laying down on the massage table with a perfect temperature blanket, with my essential oils going, with the best <laughs> pressure on my back. And you go into that state really quickly because what you're doing is you're saying to your subconscious mind, even though I'm angry, I choose to be calm, calm, look like this. This is the experience I want you to create for me. You're being incredibly clear and your mind can follow that really quick. What we tend to do when we get upset is we think about more things that upset us and then it grows bigger, right? Right. And as a parent, the protective parent you're talking about, why are those kids pointing at my kids and making my kids feel insecure? Well, those kids might not even be pointing at your kid, but might be pointing at your kid's direction and towards something else, but you're so tuned in, you're so sensitive mm-hmm. to your child's problem. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but more often than not, you're picking up more in the environment and reading more into it than there really is. Yes, I totally agree with that. Thank you so much for sharing all of your amazing advice and experience with us. I'd like to let people know where they can find you. And the easiest way to find me is on my website. It's JackieLitran.com. That's J-A-C-Q-U-I-L-E-T-R-A-N.com. Great. And I will put that in the show notes along with any other links that you'd like me to attach there. The other thing that I want to mention that we haven't mentioned yet is my podcast, Stop the Bully Within. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in what I'm saying so far and you want to learn more about the subconscious mind and how to take control of your subconscious mind, I have a podcast called Stop the Bully Within. Mm -hmm. And the whole goal of, of the podcast is to really help you to understand how your subconscious mind works. So each episode is about 30 minutes long, teaching about an aspect of your subconscious mind. We have daily activities where you can actually take the content you just listen to and apply it by following these action steps to really understand how your mind works. Because hearing about it or reading about it is great, but when you actually apply it and see how effective it is, it's going to motivate you to take control of your mind even more. And the more that you stay aware of the negative self-talk, the more that you stay aware of how much power you truly have in controlling how you feel about certain situations, the better your experiences will be. So definitely check out Stop the Bully Within and see how you know that can apply to your life. And I've listened to several of those episodes too. Those are great. And that is accessible on your website. Everybody who goes there can look at your diff- the books that are available, any mindset mentoring that you do and the podcast. So fantastic. Thank you again for joining us today, Jackie. I appreciate everything. Deanne, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for joining us today for episode 13 with Jackie Latran. I'll have all those links in the show notes for her website and the podcast and also how to find all of her books. Thank you again for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Join our Alopecia Life Facebook group and find out more information at headonlifecoaching.com. The information on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment and is meant for general information purposes only. If you're enjoying these episodes and finding the tips helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to and download podcasts.